At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this Global Supply Chain Week Fireside Chat. I'm John Gallagher, Senior Editor at Freightways, and joining me is Peter Friedman. Peter is Executive Director at the Agriculture Transportation Coalition. AgTC represents not just exporters of ag products, but but also ag importers as well, given the uh, interconnectedness of ocean shipping supply chains. Peter advocates for his members here in D.C. in front of the Federal Maritime Commission and, and on Capitol Hill. Peter, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, John. Pleasure to be with Freightways. I wanted to try to squeeze in uh, three subject areas that are currently affecting global supply chains that, that, that I know you've been following closely, Peter, and that is um, alliances among the container ship operators, dock worker labor talks on the U.S. West Coast, and ocean shipping legislation upcoming in the new Congress. So um, with regard to the alliances, Peter, we recently saw the breakup of uh, Maersk and MSC. Uh, how significant is this, and, and what could it mean down the, down the road for U.S. shippers? We think this is a pivotal moment, uh, and we have now the two largest ocean carriers uh, individually, uh, are now deciding they're going to go their own way. Now, it's pivotal because not just because one alliance is starting to split up and it's a, it'll be a multi-month process because other alliances may also reorganize and some carriers come in, come get out and so forth. We don't know exactly what's going to happen, but there's a general expectation of some change. But what's really uh, important here is that we see two carriers, two leading carriers, choosing different business plans, different directions, different paths forward, which actually is something from the agriculture exporter and the importer point of view, and frankly, all shippers, we'd like to see diversity in business plans among ocean carriers. One of the problems we faced, we believe, is the commoditization of container transportation, where every carrier does exactly the same thing with the same equipment, same routes, and so forth. We like to see some different approaches. And what we're seeing now is MSC focusing on acquiring more platforms, more vessels to be able to be, as it is now, uh, the largest container uh, carrier by capacity in the world. And Maersk, which heretofore has been the largest, choosing a different approach, choosing, as they say, to be a full service end-to-end logistics supplier, service provider. Uh, and I think that's a very different thing. Uh, Maersk has plans and has implemented purchasing those intermediate service providers, uh, warehouses, trucking, uh, customs brokerage, freight forwarder, and so forth. It's a very different approach from where the direction MSC is going. And frankly, I'm excited to see two different approaches uh, by these two uh, mega carriers. Um, and finally, we now have 
at this point now, we have one ocean carrier that will be larger than an alliance. Uh, as we can see, the MSC continues to grow uh, and maybe some of the other alliances begin to maybe shrink a little bit or diversify a bit. Very important change now, in, and we'll see what happens over the coming few years, but I think it's going to happen quickly, the change. So, so in other words, just to, to kind of reiterate a point you, you brought up initially, you see this as, because alliances can have, have, have their benefits and they have um, their, 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 their issues. So, um, and, and, and the opposite is true as well. So in other words, but it's, it sounds like, Peter, what you're saying is in terms of shipper, your shipper members, you see this more as a, as a benefit because it, um, it, it basically, you're saying is, as, as another player, so to speak, to work with in the, in the, in the industry versus in alliance. We, we also like to see individual carriers liberated to make their own decisions. For example, Portland, Oregon, the Columbia River did not have container traffic for a number of years until with the supply chain crisis and the need for additional capacity, MSC on their own put a vessel in without doing that with its alliance partner, Maersk. We've seen that elsewhere too. Uh, when Hapag Lloyd uh, stopped a service that went from Oakland and the U.S. West Coast to the Mediterranean, to Europe, very important for agriculture exports, for the nuts and so forth. MSC on their own has maintained and expanded that service. Um, so we're seeing that when a carrier does not have to check with its alliance partners on whether to implement a service, that we can get more services. And it may not be an 18,000 TEU ship, which is fine for agriculture exporters and importers, believe me, 12,000 TEUs, 8,000 TEUs more frequently in more uh, different uh, ports of call is an advantage. We like to see that. And we like to see more independent action by individual ocean carriers to make decisions, business decisions, for their own benefit and without consultation with what should be their competitors, but who are their alliance partners. Gotcha. Interesting. Interesting. Good. Interesting perspective on that. Um, so switching gears to the West Coast labor situation, Peter, the, the union representing the um, fifteen thousand or so dock workers on uh, on you know at L.A. Long Beach, uh, Portland, Seattle, and the, and the other ports on the West Coast have been working without a, a, a new contract with the container terminal operators for, since, I mean, it's been since last July. Um, both sides have said, you know, they're, they're committed to making sure there's no work disruptions as, you know, they continue to iron out this new agreement. Um, but what effect is this, you know, contract uncertainty, so to speak, having on supply chain decisions of um, importers and exporters? First of all, uh, my impression, even back in June, when uh, some people out, the, you know, whether in the media or, or in the business world were ready to jump off of the buildings because they thought without a contract extension after the previous contract expired on June 30th, 2022, uh, that there would be massive disruption there because what happens without a contract is that the no strike provisions don't exist anymore and the no lockout provisions do not exist anymore. So conceptually, there could be a strike, there could be a lockout, there could be a shutdown. In fact, 
uh, I never felt in my conversations with the leadership of the ILWU or the terminal operators, PMA, that either side was hankering to create massive disruption on the West Coast. I think both sides were cognizant of the impact of the continuing shift of import volumes uh, market share from the West Coast to the East Coast. I think they both understood the fragility of the leadership of the West Coast in terms of cargo volumes. Uh, now, they have issues that still are to be resolved, uh, jurisdictional between the Longshoremen's Union, ILWU, and the machinists, uh, automation issues, which we've known have been discussed for quite a while. But I don't think either side really want to shut down the West Coast. Uh, but there have been, from time to time, an hour here, a couple hours there, a, one half of a day somewhere else. There has been some, some disruption, but overall, it's been smooth sailing. However, there is uncertainty. And you can bet the East Coast ports are certainly emphasizing when they're uh, marketing their their ports, their terminals, and their services to a major importer or exporter of agriculture or anything for building a facility, a new cold storage warehouse, a transload facility, uh, other manufacturing, near, nearby manufacturing, nearby uh, storage facilities, and so forth. These things cost multi-millions of dollars by importers and exporters to invest, as well as the uh, the actual cold storage companies and so forth. Uh, and when they are making those investments, they have to consider all matters, including any uncertainty. Uncertainty is the enemy of an investment. And uncertainty uh, will cr create a desire to either delay an investment or put an investment somewhere where there's less uncertainty. So if you're in a boardroom in Chicago, in New York, in Kansas City, in places where these decisions, these multi-multi-million dollar uh, investment decisions are made, that's one factor, is the uncertainty of the labor situation. Now, we're, we're pleased that there has not been disruption. And in my view, we, I don't expect a major disruption on the West Coast. But bit by bit by bit, this uncertainty continues and investment decisions have to be made. The capital is raised, they gotta deploy the capital, and they're gonna deploy it where there's less uncertainty. And that means if they're putting a multi-million dollar transload facility, cold storage facility in a port, say on the East Coast, that's where the cargo is gonna go. You don't suddenly pick up a multi-million dollar uh, facility and move it across the country to another port. It takes years to get through the permitting, uh, financing. And once those investments are made, that kind of locks in that trade route, that, uh, that distribution network to that place where that investment's made. And, and we're seeing some decisions being made to put those investments at East Coast and Gulf Coast ports, with one factor being the uncertainty, what's going to happen on the West Coast. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So, so that can, so uh, on that point, that could also um, be damaging to West Coast ports and, and benefiting to East Coast ports too. The, port, the ports themselves, I'm saying, not just the Right. No, it's it's absolutely impacts because and it impacts the distribution uh, for agriculture. For example, our largest markets for U.S. agriculture exports by far is Asia Pacific. U.S. agriculture moves all over the world, but Asia Pacific is the biggest market. And U.S. agriculture products are not uh, semiconductors and flat screen TVs and high-end suits and ties and shirts and shoes, running shoes. Our agriculture exports, the volume soybeans, hay, compressed hay cubes, almonds, even the meat and so forth, which is relatively higher value, is low value compared to what we import into this country. It needs to go in the most cost-efficient method and manner possible to our Asia-Pacific customers. That means if you're coming from the U.S., Midwest or the U.S. West Coast, where so much is origin anyway, Idaho, Washington, Oregon, California, uh, Utah, that needs to go the direct way through West Coast ports to those Asia-Pacific markets, Korea, Japan, China, Vietnam, increasingly. Um, And if it can't go that way because the carriers have sort of moved some of the ships to accommodate the import cargo that now wants to go to the East Coast, well, then we have a problem because our agriculture exports, as I said, have to go the most efficient way. You cannot drive a truckload of hay from Ellensburg, Washington to Savannah or Charleston or Norfolk. It's non-economic to drive hay cubes across the country. That needs to go through those West Coast ports. So for agriculture exports, we need to keep the West Coast ports fully utilized by ocean carriers providing the services for exports. Right, right. Okay. Um, and so to, to finally wrap this up, um, with concerning the upcoming legislation, Peter, there's an Ocean Shipping Reform Act 2.0 um, lurking up on Capitol Hill. Um, could, could, you, could you briefly um, talk about a, maybe a provision uh, or two um, that you see likely to be included in that legislation that you that you see as being m- maybe the most impactful? Yeah, it certainly can. Look, at, uh, when we w- initially sought the original Ocean Shipping Reform Act, and initially we ca- went to key players, including Congressman Garamendi of California and Congressman Johnson of South Dakota, Republican and Democrat, uh, we sought Ocean Shipping Reform Act. Uh, we provoked proposed all sorts of things that are in it, including the detention demurrage provisions and so forth. And they were very receptive, as we know, it passed the legislation that we helped draft and uh, motivate and advocated for, passed the Senate unanimously, passed the House three times, rarely happens these days. Uh, And so we're back to them uh, for a couple of things. But I would say that what folks are going back to them for a lot of it comes from the agencies 
who are to, to implement Ocean Shipping Reform Act, where they see some additional needs, some additional authority. There are two provisions. One of them uh, addresses alliances or carrier agreements. Under the Ocean Shipping Act that's been in place since 1984, when ocean carriers decide to form an alliance or other agreement amongst them, it goes into effect immediately or within 30 days. The FMC cannot stop it, regardless of what it says. As long as they file it at the FMC, it's effective. It doesn't matter whether it's a good agreement, bad agreement, pro-competition, bad for the U.S. economy, good for the U.S. economy. It just goes in effect. The FMC can't stop it unless the FMC marshals its resources and goes to federal court to get an injunction, convince a judge who knows nothing about ocean transportation, uh, convinces them to enjoin that agreement. Very difficult to accomplish, never accomplished and not even pursued since 1984. Very difficult. So there is a provision of this uh, OSRA 2, as somebody's called it, that Johnson and Garamendi are doing, uh, that has been proposed by, frankly, more from the government side than from the private sector. Uh, but it would give the FMC the authority to stop such an agreement upon filing, stop it, and then force the ocean carriers to go to convince the federal court to let it go into effect. That could be momentous. And again, that is uh, primarily being advocated by a lot of the thought leaders uh, in the administration uh, in the federal government right now. The other element would uh, reflect general congressional concern about the role of China in spying on U.S. and international business. And that's throughout Congress, uh, whether it's a balloon going across Montana or whether it's uh, the Shanghai Shipping Exchange or some software programming that the Chinese want to have in uh, to, to any vessels who are calling on China, uh, which is still the, the monster in terms of uh, cargo movement. Uh, and they're trying, it is believed that the Chinese government is trying to insert this software into a lot of places we don't want it to be, where they gain visibility into our economy uh, and our government that we don't want. So this legislation uh, would limit that. Gotcha. Major provisions. Yep. Yep. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That. Um. Yeah. They're gonna. The Congress is gonna try to uh, get China involved in, in every part of legislation. A lot. A lot of legislation on the exactly. Capitol Hill, including uh, ocean shipping. Um. So I. 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 I will end it there, Peter. I know we tried to pack in a lot. We could discuss a lot further, but that was some really good insight. Um. In a short amount of time. So thanks again for taking time to provide your insights today. Thank you very much, John. You always do a good interview. Uh, and thanks everyone for joining us.